นโมทัสสะบุคคะทัวรหัตัวสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะนโมทัสสะบุคคะทัวรหัตัวสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะนโมทัสสะบุคคะทัวรหัตัวสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะพุทธังดำมังสังขังนมัสสัง
pay attention to the body. I was talking to somebody in Leeds the other day and, and they were having trouble getting caught up in various moods and, and subtle, well they weren't subtle moods but they were compared to dealing with pain in the knees it was more subtle and, and he was very interested in these subtle states of mind and I said well, what you want to do is just keep coming back to the body and he's, I always encourage people to be aware of these five points you know, the, the top of the head, feeling the top of the head as if you're being lifted up, imagining being lifted up from the top of the head and then and then the tongue just behind the, the teeth touching the roof of the mouth and then the shoulders dropping down imagining you've been carrying buckets of sand and and then the belly feeling like there's a, a cord attached to your belt of your buckle of your belt being pulled forward and and then imagining that that you the fifth one is imagining that you're trying to squash your cushion just by sitting heavily on your seat and, and visualizing these five points and going through them it's always a good exercise I, I use it myself regularly and encourage others to go through these five points and go down from the top to the bottom back up again and it's very helpful because sometimes you do get caught up in in moods and things that can arise in meditation you have this frame of reference that you can go back to but if you haven't cultivated it in advance if you wait until you're having a bit of difficulty well then you're no earthly good so heavenly minded, you know, if you could, you can spend all your time up in the subtle realms. And when it comes to dealing with everyday life matters, we, we lose the plot. So it's very good to prepare ourselves in advance and to understand that this is, this is part of spiritual practice. Mindfulness of the body. It's a, it's a foundation of practice. I think the way we uh, start our rituals also with the before we sit meditation, we we offer candles and incense. We make this gesture of doing something with our hands and with our body. We bow, we bow down with our body, and and then also chanting with our speech, with our body and speech, making these physical gestures to align our physical being with the way, uh, with the heart, with with that towards which we are aspiring. And, so yes, we know that uh, insight and understanding and liberation—that's that's the point. That's what we that's what we want. But it's very easy to get distracted. It's, it's terribly easy to be distracted and and to uh, not see the point. So preparing ourselves in advance and and uh, having a, a foundation of, of mindfulness established in the body, and then as we experience the benefit of that to also to be quite aware of it to register the benefit of it to, to feel the difference it makes like if you've prepared yourself with the mindfulness of body and you have some strength in the, in the posture and you know how to be upright and you know how to feel the whole body and and then you in everyday life you find yourself caught up in, in, a, in a difficult conversation with somebody somebody dumping their stuff on you and, in a not very subtle way and and the sort of situation that perhaps pre- previously would be very easy to to become caught up in and, and, and get argumentative. And, uh, but if we find that the mind naturally comes back to just being upright, to feeling our feet on the ground, or, or feeling our spine straight as we sit upright, and, 
And then the body breathing, we take a deep breath and we don't get caught up. And that's wonderful. And, and if we prepared ourselves in advance, well then this is the sort of thing that can happen automatically. Even without trying, the attention comes back to the body. If we've practiced that in meditation, we've trained ourselves in this way, well then we don't have to struggle. This sort of thing happens automatically. And, and so when it does happen, as I suggesting, you can feel really good about that and notice, oh yeah, this is the benefit of mindfulness of body. It helps me not get caught up. Yeah. And also, there's, if we have this awareness in the body, then this mindfulness in the body, well then, in, in situations that where there's an opportunity to learn, we're much better placed to learn. You know, like I was saying last week, you know, everything's a test to see what you will do. Mistaking what's before your face, you have to start anew. Master Shunwa's little ditty, which is very good and worth remembering. And everything's a test. Everything's going on as a test. Everything's an opportunity, in other words, for us to learn. To learn how to let go, to learn how to go deeper, to learn how to see more clearly. But with a lack of mindfulness in the body, then we don't learn so easily. The body teaches us you know, the heat we feel in the body when we get embarrassed or, or the pain we feel in the body when, when we feel sad or sorry or unhappy. If we're really there with the body, or desire, when desire arises, if you can feel what desire is like, or anger, what does it feel like in the body when, when you're angry? Yeah. Now, sometimes if we don't have this, well then, the mind drags us off into all sorts of rationalizations and justifications like, like desire. Somebody was saying to me earlier this morning, so, you know, if I want a Mercedes Benz, why shouldn't I want a Mercedes Benz? Well, I don't know. If you want a Mercedes Benz and it makes you happy, that's fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But if you want a Mercedes Benz and you can't have a Mercedes Benz, you haven't got the money, well, then it's better to not want a Mercedes Benz. And he was saying, well, how do I know that it's not good to want a Mercedes Benz? Well, you feel it. Well, he says, well, how do you know if you're suffering? Said, what do you mean, how do you know if you're suffering? But actually, that's not such a strange question because if we're really caught up in the head, if we're not balanced, then sometimes we can be suffering and we don't even know it. And uh, so this point of balance is very important to, to keep coming back, to keep re-establishing ourselves. When we find ourselves out of balance, whether it's something like desire or, or anger, we miss and we don't get the message, we don't get the point. And we, we learn from that. And so being mindful in the body helps us learn. We learn quicker. Mm. Even in intense situations where sometimes there's a, a lot of, lot of uh, pressure, demands, it's coming up to, it's beginning to approach the uh, time of year when Everybody thinks about buying Christmas presents and uh, Christmas cards and Christmas parties and New Year's Eve parties and invitations and whose party do you go to, whose do you not go to and who do you want to keep company with, who do you not want to keep company with and which part of the family are you going to spend Christmas with and what do the children want and how, how much are you going to spend on them and are you not going to spend any all these issues around this time of year can become quite intense. And if you go shopping um, at this time of year, they, 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 
the kind of the crazy energy that's that's around. Well, situations like that, when there's a lot of intensity, a lot of greed, a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, being with the family and and old family issues that that have never been dealt with, and you can't deal with them because people don't want to deal with them. If we go to mindfulness that's established in the body, then then when we're in such situations, we can do it more readily. Now, I'm mentioning this because although it's actually very, it sounds very obvious. If we're not encouraged in this, if we don't feel encouraged in this, well then you know, we can miss opportunities. Opportunities where we, we, we wouldn't have to suffer, but we do end up suffering. And we never know what's going to happen. We never know what's around the corner. We don't know what's going to happen next. And so a lot of this practice is about preparation preparing ourselves and getting ourselves ready even if very uh, challenging things happen like you know, if you're so driving along you find a car wreck if we've prepared ourselves with mindfulness in the body there's a much better chance that we're going to be able to deal with it responsibly or if we ourselves are in difficult situations uh, unfortunate situations. I often think about what it would be like if a plane crashed. Mm-hmm. I fly quite a lot, as some of you would know, and yeah, planes do go down, don't they? they? They do drop out of the sky sometimes, and I just wonder how would it be? And well, I don't personally, I don't worry about it. I really trust that the practice is, uh, will protect you. And, and, Mindfulness in the body is, is a really good way of, of preparing ourselves for whatever eventuality might come. When Ajahn Chah was flying over here to to visit, um, you might have heard me talk about this before. When he, I think he came to England twice, and on one of the visits, the plane was going via Rome, and lots of Thai people live in Italy, and so. And the plane was going to land in Rome and then take off and come on to England. And, and then uh, as the plane started to approach Italy, the uh, captain announced that uh, there was a problem. Uh, one of the wheels wasn't coming down like it's supposed to. You know, you're supposed to have wheels to land on them. And so that was a problem. And one of the wheels wasn't coming down. So I don't know how many wheels it had, but one of them wasn't coming down. And so... Of course, you can imagine the reaction that that brought about on the plane, and so everybody starts taking off their stiletto heels and taking out their false teeth, and you know, doing all the things that you have to do when you have a crash landing. And this, remember that brace, brace they tell you about brace, brace. You know, put your head in a certain direction and do whatever. And and uh, everybody came running up to see Ajahn Chah, and he was pretty cool. Apparently, I was there. Ajahn Sumedha was with him, and he, you know, oh, well, this is it. And, and the people, were, all these men, were running up to Ajahn Chah and asking him to say mantras or give them blessings or, or do something to help protect them because they didn't have a refuge. They didn't have anything they could turn to to uh, find help them stay centered. They lost it. And they also, apparently, they would, you know, they came up to him and they, they, they promised all sorts of things. If you make us stand safety, I'll do this and I'll do that and I'll give you this and I'll give you that and I'll, you know, I'll ordain as a monk for my life or... You know, whatever. <laughs> and uh, 
Well, anyway, fortunately the plane did land safely. Uh, I don't know, maybe it had maybe it had four wheels and only one didn't come down or something. But uh, fortunately the plane, plane did land safely and nobody was hurt. But uh, it was interesting as they got off the plane on that occasion, Ajahn Shah turned to Ajahn, you know, once the plane landed and they were all getting off the plane, nobody came and talked to me anymore. And uh, they were all just walking off and Ajahn Shah turned to Ajahn Sumaita and he says, look at it, he says, when they, when they really can't avoid their suffering, you know, they come running to me for help. And now look at them, all they're doing is checking out the air hostesses. They're not, not interested in me anymore. Well, when we don't have real mindfulness, we don't have constant mindfulness, you know, we miss the opportunity. And, and hopefully that sort of thing doesn't happen to any of us, or doesn't happen at all. But there are things that do happen, difficult things that do happen to us. And if we haven't prepared ourselves with, with constant mindfulness, well then we get it wrong. We lose perspective. So the cultivation of mindfulness is, is what our practice is all about. And I know I've been talking about this for the last few weeks, but ever since Ajahn Sumaita was here and he, he made that comment saying, well, you know, what this place is for and what Ajahn Menendo is teaching is all about mindfulness. So I, uh, I really agree with that. I think it's something we do have to keep coming back to on all levels, but primarily in the body. First in the body, this is the foremost foundation of, of mindfulness practice. And, and yes, we can do it in formal meditation, but not just in formal meditation. We can use all sorts, any situation. Now I've seen, you know, in fact I know my own case, you know, rushing to get something finished so I can go and meditate. Now if you eat food, somebody's got to wash the dishes. They say, oh, I don't want to wash the dishes, I want to go and meditate. Well, actually, we can meditate while you're washing the dishes. You can, it's amazing that what it's like to actually choose to consciously wash the dishes. What's it like to feel your body posture there, to feel both feet on the ground as you stand in front of the sink, to feel your feet on the ground, to feel your centre in your belly, to feel your back straight, to feel your head to feel your shoulders, to feel your hands, to feel the temperature of the water, to smell what's going on, the, the smell of chemical lemon that they put in the washing up liquid and rancid fat and the smells around washing dishes are not agreeable. To feel the feeling of disagreeability, what is it? I don't like it. I don't like washing dishes. I don't like that smell. Maybe I don't like the company that I've got to wash the dishes with. What's disliking like? Here one can actually contemplate disliking, standing washing the dishes. If we're grounded in the body, if we have here and now judgment-free awareness right in this moment, then washing the dishes can be meditation. I want to go up to my room and get away from these irritating people in the stinky kitchen and meditate and be happy. Wanting. That's interesting. We can meditate on wanting. That's meditation. Now a lot of people do get stuck on this idea think that meditation is being on your own somewhere or being with a group of people for that matter all with our eyes closed, sitting on a cushion, cross-legged preferably and, and getting very peaceful. Well that's 
just one aspect of meditation. It's obviously a, a, a nice aspect if, if, it's, if it's possible, but sometimes it's just not possible. I mean, some people can't sit on the floor. It won't be long and I won't be sitting on the floor. In fact, just tonight I was thinking, where will I put my chair when I have to sit on it? Shall I sit sideways? Shall I sit this way? It won't be long now. I mean, I can barely sit on the floor. So if you can't sit on the floor, you sit in a chair. And sometimes you don't have time to sit meditation. Some people's lives are so busy, so many children and obligations and so on. And then time and time again people say, oh, I don't have time to meditate. Well, whatever we're doing can be meditation. If we take mindfulness of the body as meditation, we don't have to go off and pray to the Almighty or sit on our cushion and become so heavenly minded that we end up being no earthly good. We could do that, but the reality is we probably are no earthly good and go out of balance. It's much better to be determined to say, whatever I do is meditation. 24-7, they call it in America. I meditate 24-7, yeah. Going to bed can be meditating. You know, lie down at night and wake up in the morning. And in between, also, when you go to sleep at night, you wash your breath as you go to sleep. And, and sometimes, even as possible, even when you're dreaming, there can be a, a certain degree of consciousness. At work, you know, sitting in front of a computer. The way we approach these things determines whether it's meditation or not. I was, again, this group of people I was talking to this morning are, are suggesting that that when they uh, sit down in front of their computer, they pay Anjali to their computer. Because a computer is a very useful thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, tremendous things, computers. They do wonderful things for us. And, and uh, so, you know, to have an appreciative relationship with the computer. And so you pay respectful attitude, have a respectful attitude, pay Anjali to the computer and, and sit down and do what needs to be done. And if the computer doesn't do what we want it to do, well, we, you know, we don't have to get angry. If we do get angry at it, well, where's that coming from? Lack of mindfulness. Again, we're back to meditation. So, also sitting in front of the computer, be mindful of the body posture. How many people have really bad posture because they're sitting too much in front of computers in in bad posture? What is it? Repetitive use syndrome or some symptom that comes from, from maintaining bad posture for too long. If there's mindfulness of the body, well, the body tells us. The body says, you've been sitting for too long. Get up, do a few turns, swing around, drink some water, go outside, rub your eyes, look in the distance, take a few deep breaths, and if you have to keep working, well, then come back again. Now, if we're not mindful of the body, we can sit there and sit there and sit there. And also, we don't have the window open and we become dehydrated and we get sick. So mindfulness is also, well, the body's also got very practical applications. And then, in our formal meditation, as I'm suggesting, the, the body posture itself can be the object of meditation. Again, many times people have said that they, they think they're supposed to stick to one technique when they meditate. Which is the right technique? Should I concentrate on the breath, or should I watch a candle flame, or should I repeat a, a mantra word? But if we've got balanced mindfulness, then our own creative interest becomes the teacher. It's fine to ask questions. In fact, I like it when people ask questions. 
I always find it interesting when people ask real questions. But sometimes there's nobody else around that we can ask our questions to. Ultimately, we're left alone. And so we ask our questions of ourselves. You know, what should I do? Should I do this or should I do that? Well, if our practice is based in mindfulness of the body, we have this frame of reference. Here we are, sitting here in this space. Don't know what to do. Because we have this mindfulness of the body, it's actually okay to not know what to do. Not knowing is relativized. If we don't have mindfulness of the body, well then not knowing what to do can become a big deal. Become a very big deal. I should do this, and what's the right one? I want to get the right one. It's okay to want to get the right meditation technique. That's very understandable and very suitable. But sometimes we don't know what's right. Or like intuition and discernment. The balance between intuition and discernment. My intuition says, go with this, do this. So well, how do I know? How do I know if I can trust my intuition? How do I know if I can trust it or not? Because intuition, sometimes, I mean, in the past I've followed my intuition and be completely wrong. Made a complete mess of things. Made a complete idiot of myself as well. Following my intuition. Well, I mustn't follow my intuition. But it would be more rational. Be more of a man, you know that female intuition stuff. You know, it's, well, whether it's feminine intuition or masculine rational faculties, and you know, and talk like that. But all of us have got intuition, and all of us have got rational faculties. What's appropriate is if we have a balanced relationship to these things. If we can allow for our intuition to function, to feel what we feel, and it feels this feels good. Could it go with this? Yeah. But if we're mindful in the body, then we feel that feeling. We feel the feeling. We know the feeling. We're mindful of the feeling. Our intuition can be really convincing. Just do that. But we've got some perspective on it. Say, oh yeah, I really feel driven to follow my intuition on this point. But with mindfulness of the body, there's a sense of perspective. And discernment can still function. The discernment, you know, discernment can come in and say, yeah, you really feel this is the right thing to do. Absolutely. But just wait a little while. Now that's not necessarily neurotic holding back or, or fear or following intuition. It might be, but that's another thing. If we've got mindfulness in the body and you've got a, an, a, an obsessive commitment to rationality, well that's also something we can reflect on. There's a sense of being, this whole being sitting here and you can know rationality. You can know your obsession with being rational and reasonable all the time. And so we can learn from ourselves. We can ask our own questions of ourselves and we can get an answer. And so when the Buddha said, you are your own refuge, how could anybody else be your refuge? That's one aspect of understanding that. How can we be our own refuge? How can we find security within ourselves? Well, the encouragement from the perspective of Buddhist practice is to find this balanced place within ourselves this place of mindfulness and the cultivation of this balanced place within ourselves, this mindfulness, is starts with mindfulness in the body. And we can do it wherever we are, whatever's happening, sitting in a car, going to shopping, sitting meditation, being in front of the computer, having a discussion, being on the telephone, being in the bathroom, having a shower, going to bed. And that way everything is meditation. So thank you very much this evening for your attention.